Our uh, memory verse for today is from Revelation 1, 3. And I was, would love it if you would be able to say it with me. It's also at the bottom of your bulletins. Here we go. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Revelation 1, 3. Thank you. When Pastor Dave first asked me to give the message in his absence... I was excited a little bit because he told me the passage that it was going to be. Uh, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love that verse. That is so awesome. And then he said, okay, Revelation 6 and 7. And so then I walked in my office, and I read Revelation 6 and 7 again. With the seven seals and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Let's just say the nervousness intensified. <laughs> yes. But why is that? We know that Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And as we just saw in Revelation 4 or 5, it's gospel. It's gospel truth. Good news. The Lamb has overcome. We are blessed to read it, blessed when we hear it, and blessed when we keep it. Revelation is a blessing. But then there's that end of the phrase. Did you see it? For the time is near. And I think that's where some of my fear, my nervousness sets in. I don't know if it's because I'm a part of the Kirk Cameron left behind generation. But the idea of digging deep into Revelation and the end of the world has always made me scared. What if I'm not ready? When will it all happen? What if my family doesn't know Jesus? Do you hear how I'm letting fear control me again? Instead of moving forward and reading Revelation as a blessing. Yes, it's true. It is true. We are living in the last days. But what you might not be aware of, and maybe some of you are, is that we've been living in the last days for quite a while. Since Jesus' first coming and the anointing of the Holy Spirit back in Acts 2. Check it out. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams in the last days. Or from Hebrews 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. It's true. These are the last days. But there's one thing that we can't forget in the midst of it. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know when the end of the world will be. Jesus didn't even know. He said in Matthew 24, but concerning that day and hour, so no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Matthew 24:36. So we don't need to fear. We just need to be ready. We need to be ready. Another reason uh, Revelation has made me nervous is because Revelation is confusing. (laughs) The imagery, the symbols, the numerology, the way it's arranged in cycles. 
Oh my goodness. As Pastor Dave mentioned last week, the visions and revelation, they incur in these cycles, not chronological, which is hard for me to understand because I love a good book, a beginning, a middle, and the end. I love a good book. But if, if we tried to read Revelation like we would a novel in a straight line chronologically, we're going to get in trouble really quick because the world ends at the end of chapter 6. And we still have uh, 16 uh, more chapters to go. It also ends again in chapter 11, again in chapter 16, and again like a few more times. Because there are cycles in Revelation. So next week, as Pastor Kyle comes and, and we look at the seven trumpets together, and the week after that is Pastor Dave with the seven bowls, it's going to sound familiar. It repeats, it reinforces, it intensifies. And it intensifies towards this climax with the end of the consummation of all things, Jesus Christ will come again in his power and his glory and all of the sin and the suffering and the death of this world will be destroyed. We know the end of the story. So don't get overwhelmed in the cycles, okay? But if the cycles didn't confuse me enough, let's just talk about the imagery, the symbology, the numerology. Oh, my goodness, there's so much Old Testament imagery in Revelation. Here's the deal. When we read Revelation, we have to remember that this was written to the first century Christians who probably understood the context of the symbols and the numerology. I am extremely thankful that Pastor Dave took us through the book of Daniel before we continued on in Revelation. I have learned so much. (laughs) It helped me to understand some of that imagery. There's a lot of it in Revelation that we'll unpack. But we can all agree, Revelation can be confusing. Yes. Another reason I'm thankful that Pastor Dave took us through Daniel is I remember when we were in Daniel 8. As the angel was interpreting a vision that Daniel had of the ram and the goat. And I'll never forget, as I read this, Daniel said, I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. This was after the angel explained it to him. (laughs) Yes. Have you ever had a portion of scripture just jump off the page at you? (laughs) This was one for me, you know, highlighted a bunch of times. Yeah. It brought me such comfort in knowing that I don't have to understand it all. Daniel didn't understand it all, and he had an angel interpreting it for him. But the thing that Daniel did understand, church, was humility. He understood humility. And we must approach Revelation with great humility. There are many different views within the church regarding Revelation. There are many different views within the Reformed faith regarding Revelation. And I would go as far as to say there are many different views within this room regarding Revelation. Especially as we get ready to begin chapter 6 with Jesus opening the seals. So it's really important that we are united in what we do believe. In our essentials. And that we extend grace to one another in the non-essentials. What do I mean? About a year ago, at exactly this time, 
So if you want to revisit it, it'll be in our YouTube channel, All of That Community Church. Like, subscribe, share. Um, and uh, we studied the Apostles' Creed together. Exactly this time in April, we started it. And we went line by line through it. And these are the essentials of the Christian faith. So I thought before we began, we would just stand and recite them one another as a church, as a congregation. Would you stand with me? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. These are essentials. But there are also some non-essentials that we may have different views about. And that's okay. One example is, is baptism. Do you sprinkle or dunk, baby or believer? Another view is church government. Do we have, are we elder-led or are we congregation-led? Did you know that there are even different views about musical instruments in worship? <laughs> That's even one that we can disagree about, and we can still be followers of Jesus. I would even say it's good for us to have different thoughts and different convictions about certain things. It's okay for us not to agree on everything, especially as we look in Revelation. Because I'm pretty sure when we get to heaven, we're going to be like, oh, that's what you meant by that passage. We're all going to have those moments. So this morning, let's start by giving grace to one another in the non-essentials. Does that sound good? Okay, thank you. One more thing before we get started, because I'm continuing to stall. Can you tell? Let's remember that the book of Revelation, it cannot mean for us what it didn't mean for them. It cannot mean for us what it did not mean for the first century Christians. This was written to them and for us. These were real people at a real time going through real issues. They were experiencing major conflicts. They were experiencing suffering and pain, and they were experiencing persecution for their faith. This letter was a blessing to them. We are blessed to read it, blessed to hear it, and blessed to keep it. It brought hope to the people that read it. Brothers and sisters, it can bring hope for us as well. It was written to them and for us. Okay, here we go. Revelation 6 and 7. Together in humility with much grace. I don't have all the answers. 
Neither do you. But don't despair because God does. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help guide us. So, Father God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I've asked my, amen, my brother Chad to come and read uh, the first part of Revelation for us. If you have your Bibles, we're in Revelation chapter 6, the very beginning, verse 1. We'll read through verse 8. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, Come! And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chad. As we begin chapter 6, we are introduced to the four horsemen. Growing up, I remember playing with My Little Ponies. My daughter Carolyn, who's now a teenager in the back, running the PowerPoint, she also loved playing with My Little Ponies. She took it a step further, though. She loved playing with horses. If there was a TV show that had horses in it, we watched it. She loved horses. Anyone else? (laughs) However, as we are introduced to these four horses and their riders, I'm pretty confident in saying that these are not the kind of horses that we want to meet or play with. Conquering, wars, famine, pestilence, and death. Did you hear? In fact, I would go as far as to say that they are enemies. Now, there's much disagreement within the church on the timing of all of this. Some think that this happened a long time ago. Some believe the parts have happened and there's still parts yet to happen. And some think that this is going to happen way in the future. These are non-essential, okay? So Jesus opens the first seal. And John sees a white horse and its rider has a bow and was wearing a crown given to him. He came out conquering and to conquer. We're already here, and there's even more disagreement about this. There's disagreement on who is the writer. 
Some believe the rider to be Jesus because later in Revelation 19, we're going to see Jesus come riding in on a white horse. However, there are some inconsistencies with that, which I'm going to let our Sunday school leaders facilitate. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I thought that maybe we could instead look at this passage in conjunction with Matthew 24, where Jesus is telling his disciples the events that will happen at the end of the age. So let's turn there now. Keep your finger in Revelation 6 and also in Matthew 24, and I will have it on the screen for you also. Here the disciples say, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. Matthew 24, 3 to 5. See here, Jesus is warning of an imitation of a false gospel that would lead people astray. And when we look at 1 John later on, we can see that this was happening. 1 John 4. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, get this, and now is in the world already. This was written to them and for us. There was a false gospel going on then, and there's a false gospel being told now. Outside the church, we'll hear, well, we all worship the same God, just different names. Or there are many ways to get to heaven. This is false. Jesus is the only way. He is the truth and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through him, his words. But I'm sorry to say that we also see this within the church. And we have to be careful not to mold Jesus to fit inside of our boxes or our agendas. We cannot change Jesus to what our culture is saying and doing. We must stand firm on God's word. Because you know what happens with the false gospel? Confusion and absolute chaos. So Jesus opens the second seal. And we see this red horse come. And its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that the people would slay one another. And he was given a great sword. You still got your finger in Matthew 24? Look at verses 6 and 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Here we are seeing bloody violent wars. And I know it feels like a time of peace right now, but I would say, are we? Have you read the comments on Facebook lately? Have you driven down the Lloyd? I was convicted of this one when I heard my teenage son who has a driver's permit start yelling at a car for me. I was like, where did he learn that from? Okay. Have you turned on the news and seen the violence, the rage, the riots? 
We, by our own very sinful nature, are constantly choosing war. Ask the Domino's delivery guy that was 30 minutes late with my pizza on Friday night. Yeah, I was waging war. Anger, hate, rage. When given the opportunity, we will wage war on one another. And we've made it normal. Don't even think about messing with one of my kids or you're going to get the wrath of mama bear. Am I right? Mm-hmm. We've made it normal. Have you ever, though, yelled at one of your kids or at someone you love? Is that something you wish you could take back? I have. It feels good for a second, sometimes too. But then all I have is this wave of shame and guilt that just causes me to feel awful for the pain that I've caused someone. Because under all that anger, under all that rage, all we feel is sadness. All we feel is despair and loss. We have all this rage, and we don't know what to do with it. And then Jesus opens the third seal, and a black horse comes with scales in his hands, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine. In this description, I had to look this up from a few commentaries because I was like, what is this saying? It's costing more for the food than they make in a day. In other words, this writer is bringing a famine. And did you see at the end? This one jumped off the page at me. But don't harm the oil or the wine. What? What is that about? I mean, I love a good olive oil and a nice glass of Cabernet. I do. But the question is, do I need it? So this writer is taking everything that we need, and he's leaving what we don't. Does this sound familiar? This letter was written to them and is for us. We have nothing we need and all the luxuries we want. I noticed this most this last year. It was a conviction to me. During the pandemic, my eyes were opened to this reality. We have all the luxuries that we could ever want. The Netflix marathons, the delivery straight to our doors, no school, sleeping in late, working from home, eating all day. Anybody else gain weight this last year? Mm-hmm. Yes. We also experienced a loss of something that we truly need. Community. Community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit Spirit experience community with one another. It's something that we need. And we spent an entire year socially distanced from one another. No touching, no hugs, no smiles, no family get-togethers. I have to tell you, my sister came in town this weekend, and it was beautiful because I walk in the door, I see her face, and we embraced We hugged, we touched, we loved, and it was so hard to let go. We need community. There was no visiting those who were sick. The elderly were isolated, and people were scared. 
with anxiety, with fear, and in despair. We had all the luxuries we wanted, but not what we needed. And then Jesus opens the fourth seal. And the writer's name is Death. However you believe the timing to be of the seals being opened, one thing I know for sure, we need to be ready, church. None of us know the moment in which we will take our last breath. So we need to be using every single one of those breaths that God gives us to sing the praises of his glory. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, for the witness they had borne. And they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? John opens the fifth seal, or Jesus opens the fifth seal, excuse me. And John sees all of those who were killed for their testimony, for their breaths, for their lives used to proclaim the gospel, even unto death. John is witnessing religious persecution. And we see that one more time in Matthew 24. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Verse 9. We must be willing to suffer for our faith, knowing that it may cost us our lives. But remember, we're not alone. God is always present and is always with us, especially in the midst of suffering. We wait together in this broken world filled with sin and suffering, knowing that no matter what happens to us, God is ultimately sovereign over evil. He is on the throne, church, so hold on. Did you see that? And the saints are crying out, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, God is sovereign. God is in control. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing, and he's always with us. And are you ready for this? This one's going to rock your world. Nothing happens without God's permission and authority. Look back at the writers. When you go back and visit that and you reread that again, each one of them was given permission. That's a tough one to wrestle with. I know. Because we will suffer in this world. That is a fact. Jesus suffered, did he not? And Jesus warned us to be his disciples, to be his followers. We must be willing to lose it all. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Luke 9, 23 and 24. We must be willing to suffer for our faith, knowing that it may cost us our lives. God is ultimately sovereign. So hold on. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. 
The full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Here we go. End of the world. End of chapter six. Or as the Bible also puts, the day of the Lord, which you can uh, go back to Isaiah two and Joel two and see there as well. So here we have natural calamity. We have earthquakes. We have the sun becoming black, the full moon like blood. I knew it was there and falling stars. The end of the world. And then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Kings. Great ones, generals, rich, powerful, celebrities. What are they doing? They're hiding. Everyone that we would normally look to for hope to save us is hiding in a cave. They're hiding from a cave. And what are they doing? They're calling to the mountains and the rocks. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne, God. And from the wrath of the Lamb, Jesus. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? They're crying out, hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? And then we get to chapter 7. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a breath. Who can stand? And God gives us this pause. Because blessed are we when we read it, blessed are we when we hear it, and blessed are we when we keep it. There's this interlude that happens at chapter 7 before Jesus opens the seventh seal. Worship team, you can come on up. And after this, I saw the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree, holding it back. And then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea. And he said, do not harm the sea or the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our gods on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, John says, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then he lists them. But did you catch that? John said, and I heard the number of the sealed. John hears. He hears 144,000. But verse 9, look at this. Verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that cannot be numbered. From every tribe and nation and peoples and languages... And what are they doing? They're standing. They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Here's the verses. 
clothed in white robes with palm branches waving are in their hands and they're crying out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb brothers and sisters if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and the life that he lived the death that you deserve that we deserve but that he took in our place then you can stand you can stand and you can add your voice to the praise and the worship that is happening right now in heaven so church as we end we are going to focus back on the one who is worthy to be praised and glorified and we are going to worship